Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network here on Blog Talk Radio, our Sunday show. My name is Janine Moloff. I am the producer and host. Well, if you saw our advert, I kind of put this together rapidly. This is something I had planned for some time. And then when I actually started looking into this Project 2025, the document is practically a 1,000 pages long. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to introduce it, and I'm going to talk about its critics. And then in subsequent shows, we will go into the details in, you know, really gory detail, okay? So if you saw the advert, it says, GOP plan to subvert democracy to Trump's dictates. And it says, this week I'm going to discuss the GOP plot to subvert the last remaining shreds of democracy and, you know, basically pervert government into this dictatorial Trumpian hell. Now, this is Project 2025, which was created and sponsored by the Heritage Foundation. It's a thousand-page cookbook. It gives detailed instructions on really how to dismantle any semblance of rational government while nullifying the Bill of Rights, and they do that by stealth. Now, make no mistake, this is a plot to destroy, excuse me, to destroy democracy itself. Now, ironically, it isn't all Trump's doing. I mean, he gave the order, but the Heritage Foundation has been working on this little cookbook now for decades. Uh, and so, you know, we really need to look at the Heritage Foundation as a possible hate group that's actively working to subvert democracy. Now, I couldn't find a parody song that I liked for this week. Uh, we do have a short episode of My Little Margie, which is basically the misadventures of Marjorie Taylor Greene, DC's you know, infamous blonde Neanderthal. But that could take a serious tone, too, in light of the war between um, Israel and the Palestinians. Um, and it may not be quite what you expect from me, okay? So with no further ado, I'm going to get into the show. This is going to probably be a shorter show, I think, this week. All right, I had some issues trying to download my script. <laughs> you know, people don't realize I download a lot of information before I go on, go on air and then read it, you know. And I, I read it before I go on air, that is. Okay, so Project 2025. We know that if, God forbid, Donald Trump gets back into the president's Oval Office, he's all about revenge, okay? You know, this is a man who is not only uh, psychologically unwell, let's just put it, he's mentally ill, okay? He's damaged goods, in my opinion, but he's also very much, you know, a bigot. Make no mistake about it. Um, and this is an instance where he wants to be dictator. You know, I always had problems with Republicans that said, you know, they should, we should really elect somebody like from the corporate business world because they know how to run a business, so therefore they know how to run a country. And my retort was, really? But a corporation's a dictatorship. I don't think I want my government running like that. There's no democracy in a corporation. That's nonsense. And so I think, if anything, people that are corporate bosses and maybe to a lesser extent 
you know, people that have had careers in the military are not necessarily well suited for that type of a position because, again, they both served in, uh, you know, in job positions that basically are run as dictatorships. You know, the military, the military is not a democracy, it's a dictatorship. Corporation is not a democracy, it's a dictatorship. And I find it very difficult to believe that somebody who spent anywhere from 30, maybe 40 years of their working life in that environment as a boss, that suddenly they saw the light and believe in democracy. I'm not buying it. Okay? So Donald Trump is going to be all about revenge. But this particular revenge, uh, this uh, presidential dictatorship, the actual plan, the nuts and bolts, is being has been written by a whole host of Republicans. They call themselves conservatives. They're not. They're fascists. Um, they signed on to it. Okay, I downloaded the entire document. It's like 990-something pages. So it's a few pages shy of 1,000 pages. And they list themselves. They can't deny they were involved. They happily listed their names, the names of their organization, all right? And Heritage Foundation sponsored it. They were there to, you know, basically create this plan to subvert democratic rule. Keep in mind, it's the same Heritage Foundation that hails, you know, that we, we can thank for, you know, the rise of Leonard Leo, who put on Christian theocrats onto the Supreme Court. This is not a group that believes in democracy. It's nonsense. So, and because the document is so long, there's no way I can do it justice in just one show. So we're going to be going over it in gory detail today. It's just the basics. So we're going to start with, there's a piece here, and it was published, let's see now, in September in Mother Jones. And it was written by David Korn, who is an excellent journalist. Now, I was aware of Project 2025 dating back probably to August. And there's been so much movement in the news that I just kept going, okay, we'll do it in the next show. We'll do the next show. And, and that was my fault, okay? Um, I will be writing about it as well, but I want to make sure I do it justice. So David Korn wrote this piece. The headline in, in it published in Mother Jones, September 14, 2023. The headline is, How Right-Wing Groups Are Plotting to Implement Trump's Authoritarianism. Project 2025 is an out-in-the-open scheme to steer the U.S. toward far-right autocracy. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> There's no guesswork here. This particular article first appeared in David Korn's newsletter called Our Land, and then it was republished in Mother Jones. Now, this Project 2025 really is a right, it's part of a right-wing infrastructure, and they're determined to not just undermine, I would say, but destroy the checks and balances of our constitutional system. And where would the power go? The power would all be concentrated in the presidency, which, you know, I've never been a fan of an imperial presidency. In fact, I think the presidency still has too much power I think it should be reduced. Uh, Americans, right or wrong, many Americans think that the president is the end-all, be-all. It's not true. But the presidency does have too much power. Okay. Um, 
and you know, we know Donald Trump sees himself as a strong man. Now, mind you, we know that dear dumb Donnie Trump is a wussy. We know this. But, you know, he positions as like tough guy. Keep in mind, this is Cadet Bone Spurs. All right. He had to have his doctor write him a fraudulent note about Bone Spurs so he could evade Vietnam. Okay. This is a guy who is a coward, but, you know, goes. So, uh, you know, the New York Times also, according to David Korn, reported that um, Trump's crew aims to, quote, alter the balance of power by increasing the president's authority over every part of the federal government that now operates by either law or tradition with any measure of independence from political interference from, by the White House. Okay. Um, that was a quote from the Washington Post. I'm sorry, from the New York Times. The Washington Post also ran a story back in April. I missed it then. Uh, and the headline was Trump House Authoritarian Vision for Second Term. You, you have to remember, Donald Trump couldn't get away with half of this crap if he didn't have, one, his insane lynch mob that, again, even a lot of Republicans are terrified of because that's, you know, he operates like a mob boss. But he also couldn't get away with it if there weren't a bunch of, of Republican lawyers that are willing to bastardize their legal license and abuse it and really destroy Democratic rule. You know, this is an instance where you've got Republican lawyers that really should be disbarred permanently because what they're doing is they're actually violating their oath as officers of the court. We're supposed to be a democracy. They say republic. I don't care. It's still democratic rule. Now, you probably heard in the in the media that well, part of the plan is to just fire thousands and thousands of federal workers, <coughs> and that means also that Trump, according to this article, quote, could fire employees at federal agencies who did not pledge their loyalty to Trump or who questioned the legality or appropriateness of White House directives, end quote. That's from David Korn's article. Now, maybe some of you don't like the idea of an administrative state, as Republicans call it. I don't care what you call it. The fact is, we're a large nation. These agencies, if you've ever tried to apply for Social Security benefits or, you know, get to the IRS or whatever, it takes a long time. Well, fewer workers, it's going to be even more horrendous. Now, you have to remember that a lot of these agencies, the career workers, are people that are actually expert in certain areas. They're not, uh, you know, they're not political appointees. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you have the Department of Education, and each president appoints uh, heads of the cabinets cabinet heads of different departments, rather. And so, you know, Betsy DeVos was appointed a political appointee to head up the Department of Education under Trump. Betsy DeVos has no, zero expertise in the field of education. She knows nothing. <clears throat> she and her husband, they run a business called Amway. You know, that pyramid scheme, that the more you get, you get more people to come on to the Amway distributors, the more money you make. Again, they made their devotees made their wealth through Amway, which is a which is a pyramid scheme. <coughs> Excuse me. 
So that's an example of political appointee. Now the people underneath that work their way through the department are supposed to be experts in the field of education, just like the people that are in DOJ have to be expert attorneys. The people that are in the Environmental Protection Agency, are supposed, some are supposed to be scientists anyway, some are lawyers. And we had an earlier Supreme Court ruling that said these agencies could set up their own regulations within reason because it was headed up by people that actually understand that particular business. You know, if you're talking about the Food and Drug Administration and you're talking, for instance, about, you know, the need to make sure that when you go to the grocery store, the meat you buy is safe. Do you really want a political appointee making those determinations? Do you want people in the field that know what they're doing? Period. Uh, uh, that's what we're talking about here. All right, I'll coughing, people. Give me a second here. I'm going to take something to help me out. So this is what we're we're dealing with here. All right. You know, you have people. Let's say they're talking about, you know, looking at the effectiveness of a particular drug, and then you get a political appointee that has all the power and says, "I don't like that data. It it basically hurts Corporation X. Ditch it." Could happen. You have to have a certain amount of independence in those agencies because you need people running agencies that actually know the field. Okay? That's the bottom line. And that's for political appointees. You know, and this is both parties, Democrat and Republican. Political appointees get those positions because they bought their way into it. Understand that. Those positions, whether it's an ambassadorship, like, you know, let's say, ambassador to Luxembourg or Paris or whatever, or maybe, you know, it's heading up an agency. They brought money to the president, the candidate, the party, and that's how. It is those, those appointed positions. They are, you know, basically influence peddling. That's all it is. You know, so when you hear the term honorable in front of them, they don't deserve it. There's nothing honorable about it. So now, Trump and Project 2025, they're talking about they're going to pink slip everybody unless you have a loyalty oath. I mean, that's what they have in communist China or else or North Korea or Russia. Even a president, the loyalty, the oath is the loyalty to the Constitution and the nation and the people, not to the damn president. But this is what the Heritage Foundation, among several other radical GOP groups, have been doing. Okay? Now, also conservatives are pushing to have the White House in direct control of the Justice Department. <clears throat> and one of the people leading that charge is Jeffrey Clark. That's the same Jeffrey Clark who, according to the article, quote, colluded with Trump after the 2020 election to push the department to falsely claim the election returns were fraudulent. Okay? Keep in mind, according to Corn's article in Mother Jones, quote, Clark was indicted last month, that would have been in August, in other words, in Fulton County, Georgia, as part of the criminal case that alleged Trump ran a criminal enterprise to overturn the last election. Okay? Now, Clark had been working 
on this Justice Department initiative, you know, that Heritage Foundation Project 2025, quote, as a senior fellow at the Center for Renewing America, a Washington, D.C.-based think tank run and staffed by Trump administration veterans, including, I'm just reading straight from this, Russell Vaught, the former head of the Office of Management and Budget, and Cash Patel, who worked for Trump at the National Security Council. Now, I'm just reading again straight from David Korn's article in Mother Jones. Quote, the Center for Renewing America, that's where Jeffrey Clark was working, is merely a small piece of the right let's go authoritarian operation. Dozens of conservative outfits led by the Heritage Foundation have banded together to produce what they call Project 2025, which has released a thousand page report and the title is Mandate for Leadership, the Conservative Promise, which provides a blueprint for a wannabe White House autocrat. Their proposal include their proposals include removing protections for federal employees so perhaps as many as 50,000 could be fired and replaced with Trump or Republican loyalists. This will be done under the banner of annihilating the supposed deep state bureaucracy and smashing, smashing the administrative state, okay? So again, I'm reading just from Mother Jones, from David Korn's article. The article further says, quote, as noted above, this would destroy the civil service, booting out federal, booting out a federal agency's employees with expertise and experience and replacing them with political hacks. That's what I said before, okay? To continue with the article, quote, we're talking about EPA lawyers who might inform the White House that its proposal to sell oil leases off environmentally sensitive coastlands would violate the law. Or perhaps a CIA analyst who produces an assessment saying that a presidential policy might yield negative consequences. For instance, a report noting that bombing Mexico could cause an immigration crisis, end quote. So think about this for a minute. Wouldn't this just be a gift to Vladimir Putin, you know, Trump's buddy? Okay. This would, replacing with loyalists, that really political hacks that suck up to Donald Trump and whoever's manipulating dumb Donnie, this isn't just about ending an administrative state. This is about not only undermining democracy itself, but putting our national security at grave risk. I mean, you have to have professionals that will tell the plain unvarnished truth about everything, including threats to our national security. Political hacks won't do that. Okay. Uh, let me go on. It says, quote, there's much more in Project 2025 than eviscerating the civil service. It, too, calls for curbing the independence of the Justice Department and proposes revved up prosecutions of persons providing or distributing abortion pills by mail. The project urges rolling back environmental regulations, reversing actions to address climate change, and abolishing the Pentagon's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. One chapter that focuses on the Department of Health and Human Services calls on the next president to, quote, get this, maintain a biblically based, I'm not making this up, I'm going to read this again. There's a chapter on the Department of Health and Human Services that calls for the next president to, quote, maintain a biblically based social science reinforced definition of marriage and family, end quote. Okay. So in other words, it's a, it's a war on marriage equality, okay? 
the war on gay people. All right. Now, going back, because again, I'm reading just straight from David Corn's article, uh, and I apologize that I'm not as, you know, that I'm doing this today. I'm working on three different articles at the same time today. So let's go back to the, the Mother Jones article. It also says, quote, Project 2025 harks back to a Heritage Foundation tradition, end quote. So this isn't something new. Heritage Foundation can't claim to be innocent. Like they're proud of this. But let me go on further on. Quote, four decades ago, four decades ago, when Ronald Reagan won the presidency, the far-right think tank produced its first mandate for leadership, a thick report laying out conservative proposals for the new administration. Project 2025's Mandate for Leadership volume is a similar right-wing wish list, but an overarching theme is the fortification of presidential power so a presumably conservative president could single-handedly impose right-wing policies on the nation. For a movement once defined by its cries against the evils of big government, this is quite the turnabout. It's a sign how deeply Trump's authoritarian impulse has penetrated into the, the conservative Cosmos, end quote. Okay. So those of you who might wrongfully claim that, well, Ronald Reagan was one of the moderate Republicans. No, he wasn't. Not at all. He was racist. He was anti-Semitic. He was anti-Muslim. And he was anti-worker. Okay. Which is ironic because when he was still an actor, he was president of the Screen Actors Guild. But then he got a very lucrative contract from GE to practice uh, speech, and all of a sudden, you know, he showed his true claws, okay? Just a political opportunist. So this is about, Project 2025 is about really just handing over the keys of the kingdom to a president dictator. That's all it is. But it's incredibly dangerous. And when you look at the document, which we will they write, especially when it comes to civil liberties, they write things in very vague language using words like might or could. Here's the thing the average American needs to understand. When you're talking about rule of law, wishy-washy words, vague words, are not your friend. When you're talking about establishing and maintaining your civil rights, those need to be written in stone because the practice of law uh, when they want to take away your rights, is one, start using very vague language, might and could, because then it's not written in stone. It's not, you have these rights that no one can take away ever. So you have to be very careful. Language counts. And when you see politicians using vague terminology, either party, we have a right to demand. In plain terms, what is it you're saying? And if they don't answer the question, you didn't answer the question, answer it now. Because if you don't answer it, you've already done so. You've already told us that you have no intention of being honest with us, so you're gone. That's what needs to happen. Now, I'm kind of upset because I don't understand where the Democrats were on this. Why weren't they calling this out? It's a very big deal. Project 2025 would basically strip any independence from any government workers, and it would create a presidential dictatorship. And it would, be, it would cover all branches of government, legislative, judicial, and executive. It would say the executive is the dictator over all three. 
what it would say. Okay, that's the effect. Now, uh, David Korn goes on. I'm just going to keep reading, okay? Quote, Project 2025 would make real the yearnings of a power-mad indicted former president. Okay, well, that's true. Take a little drink here. Okay. That goes on to say, quote, the Heritage Foundation claims it is raising $22 million for the venture, which will include recru- recruiting thousands of right-wingers to, quote, flood the zone of the federal government. This could be a serious and dangerous operation. Now, keep in mind, the Heritage Foundation is supposedly a non-for-profit, okay? They call themselves a think tank. But why do they need $22 million? You know, to me, it sounds like very much for profit. So uh, according to this article, Corn said he was asked to discuss the initiative on MSNBC. Um, you know, he, pre- he prepared for it, and then he said, quote, but during the segment, I thought it was a particularly dangerous possibility, okay? And here's what Corn had to say, quote, and this is in his article, quote, Trump has already vowed to pardon the January 6th assaulters if he returns to the White House, which would reward and validate violent insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, and seditionists. Now suppose Trump supporters in large or small numbers mounted new acts of political violence. Under the proposals advocated by Project 2025, Jeffrey Clark and others, Trump could order I'm sorry, under the proposals advocated by Project 2025, uh, uh, let me start again. I'm sorry, folks. Unquote, under the proposals advocated by Project 2025, Jeffrey Clark and others, Trump could order the Justice, Justice Department not to investigate or prosecute these criminals. He could protect the brown shirts who engage in violence against his opponents. Similarly, Trump could do the same in cases of election interference or voter suppression. He could instruct the FBI to not probe the shady business dealings of his cronies or allies or those of his family or his own enterprises. He and his favorites would have free reign across the board to break the law or to assist those who do. And Corn says, see Vladimir Putin. Okay? Now, the end of this article says, quote, Trump has repeatedly said he would use the Justice Department to prosecute and lock up his opponents and critics. That sounds like the usual Trump bluster. But if he gains full control of the department and the federal law enforcement system, he and his followers, including the violent ones, could get away with murder. Not to be alarmist, but perhaps literally, end quote. This is the true danger, okay? This Project 2025 is a fully-throated plan to overthrow our government that was established by the U.S. Constitution and in its place create a presidential dictatorship. The fact that there were quite a few right-wing lawyers involved in this shows that every lawyer that signed on this plan should be disbarred immediately. I can't emphasize how dangerous this is. This also will hurt you know, separation of church and state. There was another um, article here from Partners in Fire, okay? And they talked about it as well. Again, the document itself 
according to this article, and I've seen it as well, it is filled with inflammatory language. There is an us versus them ideology. They are calling leftists and people that are not sufficiently um, Trumpist, they're calling them fascists. Okay, this is, the lies in this document are beyond the pale. And again, they're using vague language to kind of soft pedal what they really want to do. So you won't get too, you know, too upset. And, you know, uh, according to this article here, uh, again, from Partners in Fire, um, you know, it also says, quote, on every page you'll find foreboding language about the radical left, liberal agenda, and society in great peril. The language seeks to threaten, scare, and intimidate readers into a panic, inciting them to vote against their best interests out of fear. But they say, but that's not the worst part of the agenda. The evocative language hides the insidious yet genuine plans the agenda seeks to accomplish. And so there's a section in this article about the horrible things hidden in Project 2025. Um, I'm just reading straight from this. It says, quote, Project 2025, and this is about the religious part, is a wish list for the strictest conservative agendas. It seeks to destroy America's religious freedom, instead suggesting that the only true freedom is to worship Christianity. It calls for the erasure of people who don't fit into its strict hierarchical boxes while dismantling many legal protections and regulations designed to protect average Americans. Let me list some of the scariest aspects. So on page 13, uh, it highlights, they say, Page, quote, page 13 of Project 2025, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> highlights the author's disdain for religious freedom in the Constitution. Okay, it seeks to redefine America's prized words, offering all its citizens the unalienable right to pursue, to pursue happiness, rebranding happiness as blessedness to force the historic words to fit the religious dogma. It's, it's really sneaky. So the, the literal text reads, quote, when the founders spoke of pursuit of happiness, what they meant might be understood today as, in essence, pursuit of blessedness. That is, an individual must be free to live as his creator ordained, end quote. Now, the authors of this piece point out the fact that the operative word here is might, okay? Because in the First Amendment, it says explicitly, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It's right there. There's no might there. So they're trying to sneak it in. Um, trying to reframe happiness as blessedness. It's kind of crazy. And as his creator ordained. What, what about people that are atheists? You know, they have a right to not believe. But under this, as his creator ordained, definitely theocratic. Uh, and the article goes on to say, quote, who gets to decide who this new constitutional creator is uh, or what he actually ordained? Will the people still be free to worship the creator of their choice, whether that be Zeus, Thor, Jehovah, Brahma, or any of the thousands of creator gods humanity has worshipped over the centuries? Will they be free to not engage in worship if they don't believe in an ultimate creator? We know the answer. The creator must be the Judeo-Christian version of God as he ordained pertains to a particular sect of Christianity's tenets, okay? And I want to say, you know, I'm tired of hearing this Judeo-Christian nonsense. Okay, as a liberal Jew, I'm going to tell you right now, the concept of a Judeo-Christian tradition was created by white Christians 
to try and erase Jewish tradition. Okay? Christians and Jews, there's a big difference. Maybe not the basic teaching. But Judaism, like Islam, ironically, is strict monotheism. One God and one God only. There's no Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There's no Jesus as God. Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus as both. There's none of that. And I don't mean to insult people that do believe that. Believe that. That's fine. It's your, it's your privilege. But don't force it on the rest of us. And that is a very big difference. So to say Judeo-Christian tradition is nonsense. Okay? They want to erase trans people and gay people. Okay? That what it does is the document basically calls any mention of transgender people as pornographic. And then the document goes on to say that, quote, anyone producing or distributing this new pornography be imprisoned. I'm trying to wrap my brain around that one. How is somebody being trans, how is that pornographic? I don't get it. I, I just don't. How is Chaz Bono pornographic? I mean, you know, he's obese. <laughs> you know, cute face, but obese, but not pornographic. I'm not getting it. Um, and what this does is it targets the trans community, and it, it basically criminalizes being trans and saying that the government can imprison them just for existing. That's it. Okay? And... You have to remember, once one group's rights are being trampled on, we are all in jeopardy. Keep in mind, Project 2025 still gives a president all the power. The document is here to provide an infrastructure for a president dictator to do what they want. But the document, when it comes to talk about people's rights, there are no rights under this. And the lawyers that worked with Heritage Foundation, there's no damn well that there aren't. Not under this. This is treasonous. This is dismantling democracy itself. Okay? And the article points out, quote, the idea that an entity, I'm sorry, quote, the idea that an identity can be rebranded as pornographic should terrify even the most stringent conservatives. Today it's trans people. What might it be tomorrow? Gay and lesbian members of the LGBTQ community, atheists, women who wear pants, women who work outside the home, it opens it up. Another thing, this would make a lot of forms of art illegal by calling it pornography. Okay? And then the question is, quote, would a teacher go to jail for showing Michelangelo's masterpiece, David? Could our teachers teach Impressionism? Could students express themselves by sketching news? This is a slippery slope. Okay. It dismantles government agencies. You know, and by doing it, by depriving them of funding, like the Department of Energy, Department of Education. Okay. This is really insane, but insane in a very sneaky way. Project 2025 would remove necessary regulation. Now, there's another word for regulations. It's called law. When Ronald Reagan started his deregulation craft, what he was talking about was erasing rule of law and changing over to corporate rule. So tired of this nonsense. I mean, 
here in Missouri, for instance, we have had um, really vile dump. We've been dumped on by the nuclear industry. Okay, Westlake landfill and several others were. You know, our communities have been poisoned by the illegal dumping of nuclear waste. Under Project 2025, the EPA would no longer exist, basically, and it would be a presidential dictation. You'd have no rights. So those, and, and I know a lot of the people that are fighting this good fight in Westlake, and those that they vote for Trump again, this is what's going to happen. They need to get past their conservative leanings and understand this is not the way. Okay. The agenda also is working to dismantle regulations, and they state one of them is there's on page 144. It says, quote, of, of this Project 2025, quote, page 144 states explicitly it will abolish every immigration policy put in place by the Biden administration. Again, this is legislation without the legislature. You know, they're doing the very thing they accuse the administrative state of doing. Uh, page 331 describes abolishing Title IX and other student protections historically promoting equal access to education, equal treatment in schools. Okay. It also goes on to say, quote, much of the content regarding the Department of Education seeks to end public funding for education, instead forcing children into religious-based charter schools for indoctrination. Chapters 12 and 13 of Project 2025, quote, serve as giant cash grabs for big money interest in oil and industry. These chapters seek to dismantle clean air, clean water, air, and energy safeguards. And Chapter 18, quote, seeks to limit workplace protections enforced by the Department of Labor. So Trump can get on the campaign stuff and claim he's with the auto workers, but he's clearly not. Okay, this is his wish list. And God forbid if it's enacted, it'll go far beyond Trump, if Trump ever leaves. Okay? So this is... This is really a fascist agenda, okay? Just is. And you have to realize this, okay? There's more here. I'm trying to really, you know, we need to hold the Heritage Foundation accountable, okay? This is truly dangerous, okay? You have to remember this Project 2025, this according to an article in Salon, again, organized by the Heritage Foundation, this Project 20, 2025, quote, offers a policy agenda, transition plan, a playbook for the first 180 days, and a personnel database for the next GOP president to access from the very beginning to take control, reform, and eliminate the Republicans criticized the deep state bureaucracy, end quote. Okay. So this is, you know, really, I, and, and so it goes on to say, um, and again, this is an article I'm sorry, I lost my place here. This is an article that was in Salon. 
Um, the headline is Dark Right Wing Network Recruits MAGA Army to Replace 50,000 Federal Workers Trump Plans to Purge by Ariba Shaw, and it was published September 5th. Okay, and this goes on to say the following quote, democracy experts view Project 2025 as an authoritarian attempt to seize power by filling the federal government, including the Department of Justice and the FBI, with unwavering Trump supporters who could potentially erode the country's system of checks and balances. Now they have a quote here from Matt Dalek, who is a professor at George Washington, George Washington University's Graduate School of Political Management, and he said, quote, the irony, of course, is that in the name of draining the swamp, it creates opportunities to make the federal government actually quite corrupt and turn the country into a more authoritarian kind of government, end quote. And we know this. Okay. You have to remember, civil servants are people that set aside their politics to do the job. All right? They're not supposed to favor either side or any side. They're there to do the job and to study problems and to come up with, you know, partial facts. All right? So Professor Dalek wanted, you know, basically went on to say, quote, uh, regarding the firing of all these, you know, careerists, quote, in basically one fell swoop, if this plan were to be implemented, we would as a society lose many of the people who help the federal government function and also the people who are not subjected to the whims of the president, end quote. Good example, General Mark Milley, chairman, former chairman of the, of the Joint Chiefs, the highest military officer there is. Mark Milley is no progressive. He has been a ultra-conservative Republican his entire life, not somebody that I would normally like. But when push came to shove and Trump wanted him to turn the military on our own people, he refused. Okay? And when Trump wanted, you know, Trump didn't want, wanted him to threaten the Chinese government, he refused and re let the Chinese government know we had no intention of attacking. General Milley did his duty, but under this plan, he would not be allowed to. He not only would have been fired, he would have been incarcerated. He would have been criminally charged because Project 2025 would give the president carte blanche. The president could criminally uh, charge and incarcerate anyone. That's what you need to understand about this. And it's being done with Heritage Foundation's blessing. Okay? When you talk about Banana Republic, this is it. They have another quote here from Kyle Herrig, who is a senior advisor to the watchdog group Accountable U.S. Herrig said, quote, Project 2025 is extremists' newest plan to set fire to our democracy. It would allow far-right groups like Heritage and the Conservative Partnership Institute to implement their dangerous wish list with no regard for everyday Americans, end quote. Okay? This is what we're talking about here. Okay? All right. Uh, going on to this, and we've discussed this also, it says, quote, Project 2025's nearly 1,000-page policy blueprint, again, it's called Mandate for Leadership, quote, serves as a step-by-step -step guide for the incoming president 
from proposing a comprehensive transformation of the Department of Justice to ending the FBI's efforts to combat the dissemination of misinformation. It even includes plans to to intensify the prosecution of individuals involved in providing or distributing abortion pills by mail. Okay, there's another quote here. Okay, the quote, the document also says, quote, the next conservative president must make the institutions of American civil society hard targets for the woke culture warriors. The document goes on to say, quote, this starts with deleting the terms sexual orientation and gender identity, or SOGI, diversity, equity, and inclusion project, DEI, gender, gender equality, gender equity, and any other term used to deprive Americans of their First Amendment rights right out of every rule, agency, regulation, contract, grant, regulation, piece of legislation that exists. Okay, this is the speech police and the thought police, put bluntly. Because these conservatives of little, tiny little brains explode because the word gay or trans exists. Talk about childish. Um, and going back to, I lost my place here. I'm sorry, folks. This, uh, going back to Mr. Kyle Herrig from Accountable US, um, here's another quote here. Okay. Um, quote, this is Kyle Herrig went on to say, quote, from gutting, quote, from gutting critical climate protections to dismantling checks and balances to put maximum power in the hands of the president, Project 2025 takes extremism to a whole new level. The project and the dark network propping it up must be held accountable for their efforts to undermine our democracy, end quote. It's true, very true. You know, you're talking about subordinating all of government and all law to the whim of one person. There is nothing legitimate about it. Okay, and the lawyers that work for this, they're very sneaky where they use, that's where the vague language comes in, might and could, because they could say, well, we didn't mandate that. Yeah, you did. Okay. Okay. Oh, let me get a drink here. Give me a second. I'm going to take a little break. Here we go. Another piece here, again, some of this is a little redundant, but this is really that important. 
Okay. So this is another piece from Salon. The author is Chauncey DeVega, who, again, journalist does wonderful work. And, you know, for those of you that think, okay, well, there's some Republican moderate that won't let this happen. Eh, wrong. So, um, let's see, I'm losing my place here. So the headline is, Project 2025 shows us that the old right has left the building. GOP surrender to Trump complete. Power expert explains how MAGA is consciously manipulated by a fear and loathing of liberals. Okay. You know, you don't have to go any further than YouTube or CNN or whatever, and you can see, you know, regular reporters questioning, you know, MAGA morons, because that's what they are. To them, Trump is God. So, you know, if you have friends or family and they're just, they give you an excuse like, well, you know, I voted for, the usual excuse is they claim they voted for Obama twice, but then they voted for Trump because of his business acumen. What business acumen? He went bankrupt six times. No bank would touch him. Even Deutsche Bank gave up on him after a while. That's why he got his money through, you know, the Russians, okay, Russian oligarchs, which, by the way, Russian oligarchs have to do what Putin says or they wind up in prison or worse. Okay, this is nothing new here. And Trump has no business acumen. You know, he was born rich. He went through daddy's money. You know, he doesn't pay his workers. He doesn't pay his lawyers. The only reason people think he has a business acumen is because of that stupid show, The Apprentice, which, by the way, the people that put up that show, yes, it's, quote, entertainment, but they should be held accountable because they give a platform to this nut job. There's nothing good about Trump's business acumen. And the people who claim that, I don't buy that either. I think they voted because they're racist, okay? Put bluntly. They saw their white supremacy shrinking, and they voted for Trump because he told them what they wanted to hear. And I think they're being incredibly childish. You know, what's going to happen now is forget about trying to win those people over. It's never going to happen. If it does, consider it a blessing, but it's not going to happen. You need to get to those independent voters because, you know, they're idiots, okay? Um, You have to convince them that, look, Trump could end America as it stands. That's really what needs to happen. Um, And I don't know if that's really going to – I don't know. I think you have to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations. That doesn't mean yell. It means talk to them. But don't let them waste your time either. Okay, so back to this art article by Chauncey DeVega. Okay. Uh, and DeVega puts it, I love this first line. He says, quote, Donald Trump has publicly announced his plan to become America's first de facto dictator if he wins the 2024 election. Using Orwellian newspeak and other lies, Trump and his spokespeople are presenting their fascist agenda as, as taking back the country for real Americans. In reality, Trump's Agenda 47, that's the second part of this, and Project 2025, both created by right-wing think tanks and interest groups, are no such thing. If imposed on the American people, these political projects will attempt to end the First Amendment, make white Christianity the official religion, fire government employees who are not personally loyal to Trump, use the military to occupy cities, 
Invoke the Alien Enemies Act to deport undocumented immigrants and take away the civil and human rights of other targeted groups, end quote. It's right on there. And if, did you hear the part about using the military against our own people to occupy cities? That's one of the things Trump wanted Mark, General Mark Milley to do that he refused. And keep on mind, Trump wants Mark Milley uh, incarcerated and executed. Contra but what DeVega is saying here is this isn't new, and it didn't just come with Trump. Conservatives have been moving towards this for over 40 years. Okay? Make no mistake about it. These are people that despise, despise democracy. Okay? So this was an article. This was a, an actual interview. I'm not going to go through it. Today's going to be a shorter show. <sighs> So I want you, I want to get that through to you. It's important. You know, if you believe in the Bill of Rights, in the Constitution, I don't care if you don't like Biden. I don't like Biden. But at this point, again, Trump is a far more dangerous option. Make no mistake about it. You know, that's just it. You know, Trump would you know, imprison anyone who gets in his way. Make no mistake. Alrighty, so that's our story. Um, we're going to talk about some more stuff, but my computer got a little messed up. So let's go to my little Margie. Welcome to CNN's My Little Margie, our favorite blonde Neanderthal. What will Margie do next? We don't know. But look at those guns of hers. Is she popping male hormones? Is she trans? Who knows? But again, that's our... Come on, Vern. That's my little Margie. Okay. So let's move on. Okay. So this one here is a little different. Not quite as humorous, but I wanted to bring it up. All right. As a liberal American Jew, the, this war between Israel and Palestine is hideous. Both sides are suffering. Uh, as a liberal, but still also a Jew, yes, I do support a ceasefire. I do. Um, I wouldn't have carpet bombed Palestine. All right. I would have gone in there and gotten rid of those damn tunnels where Hamas hides. But once again, um, knowing anti-Semitism and the propaganda that his Jews were facing wasn't the smartest move. I wouldn't have carpet bombed and killed all those civilians. All right? So I do support a ceasefire, and I do support a two-state solution. That being said, what I see happening right now in this country with extreme anti-Semitism including coming from politicians, including Missouri's own Cory Bush. You know, Cory Bush has, quote, equated Zionism with racism. And let's just say what, she, what I think she means. She's equating being a Jew with being racist. Because it's clear she doesn't understand what Zionism is. Zionism, which began in the late 1800s and into the early 1900s, was a response to the genocide before World War II, of Jews in Europe, and it basically said we had a right to self-defense and a right to have our own homeland, to, you know, after suffering in Europe for so long. 
Um, that's what it means. People like Cori Bush have taken it and twisted it to mean something altogether different, and Representative Bush clearly doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Um, so she's being primary here in Missouri, uh, and I'm glad. But getting back to my little Margie, okay, so again, I do support a ceasefire. I do support um, a two-state solution. I, w I was against the carpet bombing. That being said, however, you've got Palestinian representatives such as Re Representative Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who, you know, routinely slandered Jews and never called out, it seems. But recently, Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman Tlaib, was um, going to be censured, and Marjorie Taylor Greene was one of the Republicans that called for her censure. Now, keep in mind, Congressman Jamie Raskin, who is an observant Jew, was voted against the censure and spoke against it as well on constitutional grounds. So before you call all of us racist, let's get it a little real. Um, so Tlaib issued a statement on Marjorie Taylor Greene's censure resolution, uh, and I'm going to read her, her statement because I'm going to be fair. Quote, Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, unhinged resolution is deeply Islamophobic and attacks peaceful Jewish anti-war advocates. I am proud to stand in solidarity with Jewish peace advocates calling for a ceasefire and an end to the violence. I will not be bullied. I will not be dehumanized. I will not be silenced. I will continue to call for ceasefire for the immediate delivery of humanitarian aid, for the release of hostages and those arbitrarily detained, and for every American to be brought home. I will continue to work for a just and lasting peace that upholds the human rights and dignity of all people and ensures that no person, no child, has to suffer or live in fear of violence, end quote. And she, her office uh, sent that out October 26, 2023. I wish I could believe it. Okay, given Representative Tlaib's past rhetoric, I don't believe a word of it when she says she also, you know, appreciates peaceful Jewish anti-war advocates. Because anti Jewish anti-war advocates were also there at those protests wanting a ceasefire. And our reward for that was to be called out as racist and to be attacked by politicians like Tlaib's friend, Cori Bush. And it's clear Cori Bush is acting as a proxy for Representative Tlaib. So Rashida Tlaib can sit there and look innocent. And the meanwhile, Cori Bush is her, you know, her, her lightning rod. Okay? And the fact is, Cori Bush has been inciting violence against Jews since this started. So I'm glad that she's being primary. And it's ironic, too, because I think it was Cori Bush's campaign manager that made a statement saying, you know, it's a shame that the person that's going to be primary, that's going to challenge her in a primary, you know, is, is you know, causing a problem for, you know, a black woman, you know, uh, representative. Well, the person that's going to challenge her in the primary is Wesley Bell, who is also a Ferguson activist, okay? You know, he was there too. He may not have been there every time the camera showed up like Corey was, but he was there, too. I was as well. <clears throat> and Wesley Bell is every bit as good, but he actually understands nuance. You know, Corey gets very emotional. And frankly, I, I don't think she's capable of being impartial. I just don't. 
whereas Wesley Bell, I believe, will be fair. I just do. He understands nuance. He knows this is not just a binary. There are shades of gray. Instead, Corey, like I said, this, this statement, I guess I'm ranting a little myself from Representative Tlaib, I wish I could believe what Rashida Tlaib is saying in this statement, but I don't. I don't believe a, a word of it. Instead, what I think Tlaib did, Tlaib is a smart lawyer, and I think she manipulated, and basically Corey Bush is her proxy, you know, basically shouting all the slander and inciting people of violence against Jewish Americans while Tlaib sits there and looks innocent. That's what I think is really going down. And again, I'm actually in some ways more angry with Cori Bush than I am Rashida Tlaib. You know, Cori Bush is echoing this Zionist, equating Zionism with racism crap, which, by the way, she clearly doesn't know what Zionism is. That word's been bandied about. Zionism, the true theory, is that Jews have a right to self-defense and a right to a homeland, period. And that was that basically the period of time from the late 1800s to the early 1900s been twisted. And so when Cori Bush is equating Zionism with racism, what she's really doing is equating being a Jew who refuses to self-flagellate with being racist. We were there. We have been good allies. We were there protesting against the carpet bombing. We were there demanding a ceasefire to this what's going on right now. And again, we were called racist by Cori Bush for our efforts. And we had to watch as Cori Bush incited these young people to violence. And I'm done with her. Wesley Bell's got my vote and my help. Um, And, you know, I kind of knew Cori. I don't know her well. But, you know, we've been on campaigns together a little bit here and there. And I don't think she's realized I covered Ferguson, all right, in depth. And I spoke, I not only spoke to police abuse, but also prosecutorial abuse. And after which I received thousands of death threats online. You know, they, they published my address online. And I wasn't whining about it. So I'm, I'm done with it. I, I, I really am. Um, you know, I, I remember... I think it was back in 2010, Dr. Cornell West was going to give a talk um, on the campus of St. Louis University. So I'm getting a little off topic here. Um, So let me end. This is on my little Margie thing. So let me back up a little bit here. So this is Tlaib's statement on Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene means nothing but harm. So for all of that, Marjorie Taylor Greene, once again, gets our jackass of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is also our jackass of the week. I've been both mother and father to her since she was... So getting back, again, this is emotional, okay? I felt very torn. I don't want to see any sort of, you know, of... I don't want to see anybody murdered in a war. I don't want to see anybody's children suffering. Okay? But when politicians like Cori Bush 
blame American Jews for what's happening. That is the equivalent to the way this country blamed Japanese Americans for, you know, the attack on Pearl Harbor. All right, you don't solve a wrong by committing another wrong. You know, and, and the thing is, there is anti-Semitism on the left. You know, um, you know, it, it's in different pockets, which makes navigating the left very confusing. You know, I walked away from the political left many years ago because of it, and then I came back thinking, okay, there are other issues that are more important right now. But I remember back in 2010, uh, as I was saying a minute ago, on the campus of St. Louis University, Dr. Cornell West was giving a speech on, I think it was racism in the age of Obama, something like that. And it was going to be inside, but he gave kind of a, you know, kind of a quickie little speech outside. And it was all free to the public. And I remember this young man jumped on the stage, and he was, you know, big guy, okay? And, you know, he looked like he was, you know, doing, what is it, you know, steroids or something. And he had a Palestinian flag, and he started, and he took, he literally just pushed Dr. West aside and took the microphone away from him and uh, started shrieking about Palestinian rights. And, you know, he started shrieking, you know, death to the occupiers, death to all the Jews and things like that. And I watched as the leftists there, they got so wound up, he equated Judaism and Zionism with racism, and they were just, they were just basically cheering him on. I left. I didn't feel safe. You know, I know there are leftists who say, well, not all leftists are that way. I'm aware. I'm very aware. But there is this myth in this country regarding anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Okay? I remember after 9-11, a lot of liberal Jews welcomed Muslims. We didn't demonize them, okay? We defended them. But there is this, this blindness where basically the, the stereotype that's enforced, there's two stereotypes that you see in the media a lot. One, Jews are depicted as either ultra-Orthodox, you know, in the black coats and, you know, rocking and praying and all that, or they're depicted as super rich. And, of course, they've been accepted by everybody in our society. They don't have that problem. Except that both are very misleading. That's the thing. And a lot of other minorities don't really know that. You know, this is the problem with segregation. Now, I think Cori Bush has led a segregated life, and she doesn't know many Jews, okay? But the fact is, you know, once again, this, there's this myth out there that, well, Jews are, like, fully white, and they're accepted, and there's no problem. Well, I'm older than Cori. I'm 64, and I remember when I was a kid, yes, I had to be religiously closeted for my own safety. Do you honestly believe that in certain school districts, every family develop blue flu on the same day, Co coinciding with the high holidays, really? I don't think so. And I remember, you know, when I was a little kid in the 1960s, there were companies that would not hire blacks or Jews, the two major minority groups there at the time. They just wouldn't. The unions wouldn't accept them, okay? And there were universities. One of the reasons the legacy admissions program started in the Ivy Leagues was to keep Jews out. 
this crap the Jews haven't suffered in this country. Nah, not true. But then, again, you have somebody like Cori Bush that doesn't want to bother to hear both sides of the story. Okay? I have never used an Islamophobic statement in my life. Not even as a joke. But it's okay for Elon Omar to say that, to imply the Jews have all the money and all the power and it's all about the Benjamins. Yes, that statement is anti-Semitic. Make no mistake about it. While it's not anti-Semitic, to criticize Israel legitimately, it's not. It is anti-Semitic to push stereotypes that don't reflect the truth. It is anti-Semitic to expect one group, in this case Jews, to hold them to a higher level of compliance than everyone else. That is anti-Semitic. Make no mistake about it. It's anti-Semitic to joke about Jews in ovens. It just is. And so, yes, we, the left has an anti-Semitism problem. So from this point on, I am no longer part of the left. And, you know, the term progressive to me is kind of a cop-out. The old term was liberal. I'll continue to fight for liberal causes, cause by cause, but I'm an independent now. That's it. I'm not going to stand there and be shrieked at and abused by somebody like Cori Bush who clearly doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Okay. And if you ever talk to people that love Cory here, it's almost like a cult. You know, at what point did Ferguson become the Cory Bush show? I'd like to know. There were lots of other people there putting their bodies and their freedom on the line. Cory wasn't the only one. And I don't mean just once or twice. We were down there practically every day. You know, so once again, you've got a movement that really, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's outrageous. You know, I'm against the anti-BDS laws. You know, boycott, divestment. There's a movement to push these laws that, uh, would forbid uh, boycott and divestment of certain investments that specifically favor Israel. Well, the fact is you can't tell people what they can and can't do with their money. You know, anti-BDM um, laws are clearly unconstitutional. You know, it's the fairness thing. But I am not going to listen to, and again, Rashida Tlaib, she at least has an excuse for her. I'm not going to listen to people like Cori Bush literally incite violence against Jews and labeling us as racist and labeling us as murderers and everything else. That's not acceptable at all. So, you know, once again, this is my little diatribe today. You know, I will probably lose progressive friends because of this. I don't care. I truly don't care because, again, a lot of these white progressives, they don't know many Jews. And a lot of people of color don't either. Our community is small. And this is a problem with segregation. You don't get to know each other. But apparently, according to Cori Bush, Jews like myself don't have the right to be judged by our actions. Instead, we're going to be judged by what 
other groups do elsewhere that believe the same religion. Well, the hell with that. I'm tired of pussyfooting around. And I listen to Corey, and I know this is a long tirade. She's not going to pity pat around. All right. But she's still a U.S. Congresswoman. And her responsibility is to actually be more mindful about her words. They carry import. I would have been fine if she had said, look, the government of Netanyahu is out of line. What they've done is wrong. She didn't have to go to the Zionism is racism thing, which is the same as saying Judaism is racism. But instead, she chose to use the most inflammatory language she could possibly use. And keep in mind, Cori Bush is also buddy-buddy with a young woman named Naveen Ayesh. Now, Naveen Ayesh is a woman who has political aspirations at herself. And, um, you know, according to this one news service, she tweeted, you know, when she was younger, that she not only wanted to um, fight for Palestinians, but she wanted to be a, a female member of Hamas if that was allowed and kill as many Jews as she possibly could. That was the intonation. Now, those sites, her Twitter account's been scrubbed, but there's been a few independent journalistic sources that were able to screenshot it before it was scrubbed. And Corey just loves Naveen. And Naveen apparently loves Hamas. And then Corey wonders, and is getting all, out, getting all outraged that people in her own, you know, in her own district, want a primary challenger. You know, keep in mind, there's a, some of her biggest sponsors aren't, don't even live in our district. Corey's district is approximately 50% black, but there's a heavy Jewish population as well. Of course we're going to vote against her. Not because she criticized Israel. Not because she criticized Netanyahu and said the carpet bombing is wrong. It is wrong. We're going to vote against her because she has pushed anti-Semitic tropes. All the while, she smiled to our faces and told us, no, she worries about her Jewish brothers and sisters too. Eh, wrong. That was a lie. That was just a bare-faced lie. So, yeah, we're going to vote against Corey because she pushed anti-Semitic tropes and has basically said that Jews are racist. You know, blanket statement, period. Now, if somebody had said something like that about Muslims, that would be Islamophobic. But it's okay to say that about Jews. I'm tired of this. So those of you that like Corey, and if you don't want to listen to the show, don't. I don't care. I will be writing a piece about this, which will not be as inflammatory, because when I write, I choose more facts. But I will write a piece about the history of this. This did not happen overnight. And the need for, yes, a two-state solution, but a two-state solution with a strong buffer zone. Okay, the hatred between the two groups is not going to go away overnight. Make no mistake about it. That's all there is to it. So I apologize if some of you think I went off the rails today, but 
I had to, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I had to get that off my chest. I just did. Liberal Jews have been good allies. And to call us racist merely because we don't want to just surrender and be murdered? No, that's that's not that's not acceptable. You know, it's just all over the nation you see college students that are Jewish that are being attacked. And I don't have children, but if I did, my child were attacked for being Jewish on a college campus, I'd be suing that school. Put bluntly, just would. Um, I haven't been out in any protest lately because, again, I was waiting to get my latest COVID shot because I'm medically vulnerable. But I can tell you, if somebody tries to get in my face and threaten me, I'm just going to hold up my phone and just go, hold that thought. I'm going to record them. I'm going to send the recording to my email. Then I'm going to press criminal charges of assault against them. That's it. You know, here in St. Louis, we had a protest that turned into nonsense in what's called the Delmar Loop. Um, I'm not sure of the particulars. This one Jewish woman showed up with an Israeli flag. I don't think I would have done that. It's like waving a red flag in front of a bull. But once again, these youngsters, they, they um, stomped on her flag. She was clearly in danger. And then they do this last thing where they start stampeding down the street and down the sidewalk. This is not legitimate protest when you're stampeding, trying to knock people down. And it's a reason why young people that young probably shouldn't be leading because they're led with their emotions at the risk of sounding like I'm stereotyping them. Um, you know, once again, this is something that the left, the left really needs to look at itself. You know, the left loves to position itself, and I've been a member of the left. They love to position themselves as being fair-minded individuals that are impartial. But on this one issue, they have not been. And it goes back a long way. And for leftists to say, well, not all of us are like that. Well, look at the protests. Sure looks like it. Like some, And it's ironic because some of the earliest protests demanding a ceasefire, were led by liberal Jews. But according to Cori Bush, we're racist. So I'm done with her. The, the position of Congresswoman for the 1st District of Missouri is not her, it's not her birthright. So, yes, I'm raging today, but I, I've hit my limit, okay? I'm tired of explaining it, okay? And, again, the way Jews are being targeted right now in this country is very much like what we did to Japanese Americans. Yes, Pearl Harbor attacked, and then the J- Japanese uh, went and fought with the Nazis, and we were at war. It didn't give this country the right to incarcerate Japanese Americans in concentration camps. Did this nation incarcerate German Americans who liked Hitler? No, it did not. And what they're doing now to American Jews, same thing. 
same thing. So anyway, that's our show tonight. I hope you learned something. We will be talking more about Project 2025 in gory detail. I suspect it will be an ongoing uh, segment. So we'll talk about segment by segment. Um, and that way you can get an idea of what this is about. It is about dismantling democratic rule and establishing a presidential dictatorship, and it is incredibly dangerous. You know, it just is, and it will affect all of us. So with that, I say um, uh, one other thing. Uh, I'm working on a couple pieces right now. Um, and you can read my, my journalism uh, at Nation of Change. Just Google my name, Janine Moloff, Nation of Change. You can also read it at Eurasia Review. And then if you want some older stuff, there's some older articles at Huffington Post. Um, with that, I say good night and bless us all. Um, I do pray that we have a ceasefire. And I pray that this carnage stops. And then I pray that somebody has the guts to tell Corey to get a fucking life. Good night.